Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're excited you're here, and we hope today's message encourages you, builds your faith, and brings you hope for the future. May God bless you as you listen in to today's message. I want to pick up to where I left off last week. I want to talk about which way, and the title of it is The Easy Way. Which way, the easy way. Well, last week we talked about how Jesus is praying for our faith. How Jesus is praying for our faith. He could jump into your battle, your circumstances, your situation in life. But a lot of times Jesus is on the sideline praying for your faith. He's praying for your faith that you don't quit. That you don't quit in the middle of your struggle. A lot of times Jesus could come in and he can jump into your boat and take over the battle and take over that situation. But you're never going to learn through the battles that you go through if you always, always, always jumped in and took your battle. I remember when my kids were growing up, and a lot of times our kids would get into skirmishes at school. How many know what I'm talking about? You can relate to that, right? They get into skirmishes at school, whether it be with other kids, call them names or bullies or whatever the case may be. And a lot of times our reaction was that I wanted to jump in and knock that kid out. Come on. And I wanted to go to that kid and say, Mama going to knock you out. Mama going to knock you. That's a song if you don't know that, right? But Mama going to knock you out. And a lot of times we wanted to jump in our situation with our kids because we want to be Papa Bear or Mama Bear. And we wanted to jump into the situation. But our kids would say, no, Dad, no, Mom, I got this, I got this. And lo and behold, eventually they truly did. They worked it out. But our reaction was a lot of times we wanted to jump into that situation. And because we didn't, our kids grew from that situation. And they, they were able to work it out themselves. And they felt more mature. They felt, hey, I did this on my own. I didn't need mommy and daddy's help. And a lot of times that's the same with God. God is just praying for you and your faith. And a lot of you may say, well, Pastor, I don't have a lot of faith right now. Maybe your, your faith level is empty. Maybe your, your, your thing like your dashboard, your E, your empty, it's on empty, your tank. But you know what God says? He'll take your little and make it much. And if God can take a little mustard seed, representing faith, and take that smallest seed and turn it into a tree or to a branch in which a bird can perch on, God can take your little bit of faith and make it much. What you hold on to is all you're going to have. So if you hold on to all your faith, that little bit that you have left, that's all you're going to have. But God is in the business, not of addition, God is in the business of multiplication. He'll take your little and he'll make it much. From five loaves and two fish to what? Feeding 5,000 with 12 baskets left over. God is in the business of multiplication. And he'll take your little bit of faith, what you give to him, and he'll take it and he'll multiply it, and it'll begin to grow in your life, and you'll be able to walk through the battles because why? Your faith level is rising. Your trust level is trusting him, and God will pull you through. So that's what we talked about. But in faith, faith says, I trust you, Jesus, even if I don't understand. What is faith? Faith is a substance of things unseen. Unseen, Hebrews 11 and 1. Unseen, I don't understand, but I trust you, right? Even if I don't understand, seeing the whole picture and experiencing pain and persecution. God, I don't understand this pain. I don't understand this persecution, but God, I trust you in the midst of my situation or my persecution. But in James chapter 1, we, we're going to pick up where we left off last week. In James 1, he talks about there in James 1 verse 2, and he says these things. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, that's you, 
and sisters whenever you face trials of many kinds. So in other words, that verse alone should prepare you that you're going to face trials. You're going to go through hardships. You're going to go through highs and lows in your life. Don't be surprised by them. Don't be caught off guard by them. Don't think that, man, we're going to have an easy sailing because Jesus is on our side. Yes, if God is for me, who can be against me? God helps you through your battles. doesn't say you're not going to have battles or you're going to eliminate battles, but he helps you through your battles. Amen? If God is for you, who can be against you? It's not by might nor by power, but by his spirit, says the Lord, that he'll help you through your battles. He didn't say you're not going to go through battles. So don't be surprised when you do. But he goes in verse 3. He says, because you know that the testing of your faith, what is Jesus praying for? Your faith, that you don't quit, produces perseverance. Perseverance means I'm going to go the extra mile. I'm going to keep sticking out my neck even though it maybe hurts and even though a man is challenging, I'm going to continue to persevere. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to throw in the towel. What happens a lot of times is that people get so close to the finish line, but because they're under persecution and pressures of life, they bail out of the race. And because they bail out of the race, the race, they never have the feeling of winning. And because they never have a feeling of winning, they consider themselves losers. They consider themselves not qualified. Well, you're so close to the finish line, but because you didn't take that extra step, you never crossed over the finish line to receive your reward. And then what happens is you internalize things and you say, why is God showing favoritism to that person and not me? It's not that God shows favoritism. It's that they finish the, the race. They crossed over the finish line. They didn't quit in the middle of the stream. That's what God is praying for, your faith that you don't give up. But then he goes on to say, let perseverance finish his work so that you may be mature. Everybody say mature. Amen. I love it when my grandkids and your kids, probably the same way. How old are you? I'm 12 and a half. <laughs> How many know what I'm talking about? They got a how old you are? I'm 15 and three quarters. You mean you're going to get your license? They feel like they're going through the different stages of life, right? They're getting more mature. I'm 15 and a half, three quarters, man. I'm right there. I'm taking my driver's ed class. Woo! Look at me, Sandra D. We're maturing, right? And it says, and complete, not lacking anything. In other words, maturity brings completeness or equips you for the tasks or the battles in your life that you're not lacking tools to be able to accomplish the battles that you go through in life. That's what maturity is. But then he goes on in verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all. Now look what he says without finding fault. So God doesn't look at you and say, you've done this and you've done that. You're not qualified. You're not good enough. I'm going to bless him and not you. I'm going to bless her and not you. God doesn't do that. He doesn't say eeny, meeny, miny, mo. He doesn't play the kid game. My mother and your mother are out hanging clothes. My mother socked your mother right in the nose. What color blood came out? Red, R-E-D. You are not it for this game. God doesn't do that. Right? He says, without finding fault. And that's why we can say in Hebrews chapter 4, he said, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Why? We can come boldly to the throne of grace because God, when he sees you come, he doesn't look at your faults. He looks at your future. He doesn't look at your sins. He looks at your forgiven. 
And he says, so therefore, I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to put you down. I'm not going to find fault in you. You are forgiven, and now you have a reason for living. And he goes on to say, finding fault, and it will be given to you. But if you look at that, joy. If you have your notes, joy comes in knowing that Jesus is with you. Man, if Jesus is with you, man, you and God make a majority. And if God is on your side, guess what that means? You're going to win. You might not like the race right now. You might not like the phase of this race right now. But in the end, if you do not quit, you will win. How many of you ever said this before? We're doomed. We'll never make it. We're going under. Have you ever said that before? Man, my rent's not going to be paid. And oh, listen, we had all these doom and gloom in our lives. But guess what? You're here today, and you're here to tell about it that you made it. Even when you thought you weren't going to make it, Jesus is for you. Joy comes in knowing that Jesus is with you. Everything is going to be okay. Everything is going to be okay. You know that, man, the Bible says that you are a child of God. You know why Jesus calls you a child of God? He says to come unto him as little children and suffer them no harm. Why? Because children never stop the way the consequences. They never stop the way it out. Oh, this is going to hurt me and not hurt me. This is going to be good or bad. They just come. And Jesus calls you his child because he wants you to come and stop trying to weigh the consequences and just come just as you are and be still and know that I'm your Abba Father and I have everything under control. When my daughter, when she was little, when she was sick, she would come to me one time when she was sick, and she said, Papa, she said, no, Daddy, she said, Daddy, I'm not feeling so good. So I go through my checklist. I go through my checklist. You got to go poo-poos? No, Daddy. You got to vomit? No, Daddy. And so I go through my checklist, and all of a sudden she said, Daddy, I just don't feel good. And you know what I do? I just embrace her and say, Daddy loves you, and I pray for her. And you know what? All of a sudden, my daughter just like becomes putty in my arms. And that's what God does to you. When you come to God, you know what he says? What's your checklist? What are you going through in life right now? Do you got to go poo-poos? <laughs> Do you got a temperature? Do you got to lose your stomach? You got to meet Chuck like up Chuck? And God just says, listen, come unto me. And rest and know that I am God in your life. But then he looks at this. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, he says these words. Now watch what he says. He says, and we know that it all, everybody say all. All things. I love that because, listen, a lot of times we only want God to come into our situation when it's a big thing. You know what, if we let God come into our situations when it's a small thing, guess what, it will never become a big thing. So God's concerned about your small things as well as your big things. That's why he says, don't despise the day of small beginnings. He says, I want to come into your situation in the small things as well as the big things of your life. And if you let me into all things, man, I'll take care of you, I'll guide you, I'll direct you, and most of all, I'll protect you. But you have to give them all things. Man, don't just give God your crisis all the time when you're going through the major battles. God can prevent you from the battles if you give it to him when it's small. So that means that, God, I'm going to give you and I'm going to surrender to you the good things as well as the bad things, the little things as well as the big things. God, I'm going to give them to you. And then he goes on to say this, 
all things, works for the good of those who love him. Now, you got to get that, who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, get this. If you have your notes, listen. If you never have a fight, you will never win a battle. You have to have a fight in order to win a battle. In anything in life, they say, please don't do this, wives and husbands. Don't experiment on this. They say that if husbands and wife don't sometimes have battles or little arguments, that their marriage won't be stronger. Because arguments and battles sometimes make us better and not bitter. They make us stronger and not weaker. They help us learn our weak points and strong points of each other. And they're supposed to make us better and not bitter. And if you never have a fight, you will never win a battle. And so how can you have a battle if you don't have a fight? They go hand in hand. So, God, I'm in this fight, and, Lord, I'm going to fight the fight of faith, and I'm going to walk through this battle, and because I do, God, you're going to help me. Amen? Now, watch this. Fights, battles, and persecution test your faith muscles and the depth of your love. Now, you got to get that. It tests your faith level and the depth of your love. You see, listen. When you love someone, you're going to stick in there through good and the bad times, through thick and thin. I love you so much that I'm going to stick in there regardless of what's going on around me. So many times we want to take the easy way out and bail when things get tough. And we want to run. But love doesn't run when things get tough. Love runs to instead of from. It runs to God. That, God, I love you so much. I don't understand, God, what's going on in my life. But because I love you and I know you love me, and because you love me and I love you, we're a happy family. We're, a, you don't even know that one either, right? With a big, big hug and, yeah. You know that, right? Love is not just about words. It's about action proven under fire. It's about action proven under fire. That God, I got this stick to itness. God, there are times, Lord, man, I get frustrated. And there are times, God, I don't love this person, love that, that person. But God, if I went by my emotions, God, I'd be throwing off the baby with the bathwater all the time. But, Lord, love, now get this, love is not based on just goosebumps. Love is based on a foundation that I'm going to love you through thick and thin, regardless if I don't feel the goosebumps or if I do feel the goosebumps, I'm going to love you. There are times in my life that, man, I didn't love my kids. How many can say amen? But I didn't throw them out. I loved them. There are times in your life that you're going to be frustrated maybe with God and the whole world. But that doesn't mean you bail. That means, God, I'm sticking in there. Even though I don't feel Holy Ghost goosebumps, even though I don't feel your presence, even though I don't understand, God, my faith and my love is committed to you through thick and thin. I'm staying in there. I'm not giving up. Love follows through until the end. Not just the middle or the beginning, but the end. It stays in there. Some time ago, I, was, I, I always share this, and so Daniel and Brianna and, and uh, um, Adam and, and Alyssa and the rest and Stephen Lake and all the rest, 
Uh, I, I share this all the time in premarital counseling. And when I was uh, pastoring in Grand Junction, Colorado, there was an orange pickup truck in front of me. That's why I can remember it so vividly because it was so bright orange, right? But then, as it was in front of me, I was, like, bewildered. And I'm looking, it looked like a two-headed monster. And I'm like, what in the world? And I'm like, what? So I intentionally, when the road went to a two-lane, I intentionally pulled up alongside that truck because I thought I was seeing double vision, right? I pulled alongside, and there was a girlfriend or a boyfriend, and they were so close to each other, man, you could have put a piece of paper in between it, it would have ripped. And I thought, man, isn't that what it's all about? Man, I'm telling you, ah, I love you, you love me. There was hearts flying in that truck. But why is it that guys, gals, can I ask you a question? Why is it that we court one another? We do everything we can. We buy flowers, send candy, get cards, all these kind of things to win that person over. And we love them to life. And, man, we, man, we excuse his or her temperament. We excuse maybe the little arguments. We excuse this. We excuse that. But as soon as we get married and we got them where we want them, now we're going to get them. You know what we do? We move from here to there. And you know what happens when you move from here to there? Everything in between here, man, takes over. Struggles, hardships, persecution, man, hard times, all these things. If you would stay here, right there, here, two or three agree, together, there I am in the midst of a, if we will stay there, all this would be eliminated because we never give a crack for the struggles and hardships to separate or divide us. And it's the same way with God. Jesus said, listen, he's joint heirs with you. We are joint heirs with Jesus. And what happens is we walk away and there's this divide of separation and struggles and hardships come. And the further we get away from God, the less we feel his presence, his love, his security in our lives. And God says, no, stay in love with me. That's why Revelation said, you have fallen away from your first love. You have fallen away from your first love. Come back to me. And when you come back, man, he's going to reacquaint himself with you. You're going to become more intimate with God. And you're going to sense his presence, his power, and his strength. I love it when my wife, she comes up to me, touches my arms, my backside. She said, honey, you're still pretty strong. I said, yeah, baby, I'm the Iron Man. <laughs> but you know what? When you feel God, you feel his strength. You feel his power. You feel the assurance that, man, my Abba Father is on my team. Love sticks in there. You see, I love this. The results of passing the test of faith it produces perseverance. I'm going to blow through this. When things get tough, the tough get going. Perseverance, having a mindset of staying the course and knowing the reward. That if I stand in, I'm going to pass the finish line. I'm going to get the reward. But today, I want to talk to you about maturity. In James chapter 1, verse 4, it said this words. Watch what he says. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature. Complete and not lacking anything. Mature means you're growing. You're becoming stronger. 
You're going through the process of school of hard knocks, and from the school of hard knocks, it's made you better and not bitter. It's made you stronger and not weaker. That's what maturity is. See, look at maturity says, I have learned many lessons along the way that have made me wiser. Let me relate to that. I'm not going around that tree again. Stronger, but most of all, prepared. I'm prepared now. I understand this battle. I understand this struggle. I understand this situation. I understand this lesson. If you never learn from a battle or a struggle that you're going through in life, guess what? You flunked out on that class. Because a school of hard knocks teaches you lessons to prepare you to become stronger. Amen? Watch this. You can only grow to the threshold of your pain or your struggle. You can only grow to that. So listen, man, if you always bail on your pain or your struggles in life, that's how you're going to be. You're going to be little stunt growth. You're going to be dwarfed in your, in your faith, in your strength for God. But God, I'm going to walk through this struggle. I'm going to walk through this pain. And I'm going to go through this, this situation in my life. And I'm going to get stronger and mature. I love this. Thriving often looks like struggling. Man, when I was working out, playing ball all the time, I practiced, man, basically 24-7, picked up that basketball. I even slept with the basketball by my head. I told you that story already. No kidding. I did. But striving looks like struggling. If you are up for the battle, now watch this. If you are up for the battle, you are not, if you're not up for the battle, you are not ready for the blessings. You see, if I wasn't ready for the struggle of preparing and exercising and doing all the things I had to do for basketball, I never would obtain the things that I did. There's a reward that comes with hard work. There's a reward with being mature and staying in there. But I love this one. You can make your pain or struggle purposeful. There's a meaning to why I'm struggling. There's a meaning to why I'm going through the situation. You can make it personal or you can take it personal. Why am I being picked on all the time? Why is this happening to me? Why is this going on? Why, 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 why? When I was with my grandkids for those nine days, the five oldest ones, there was two words I hated the most. Man, the bathroom, where's the bathroom? I hated that because, man, we'll be in the middle of somewhere and may have to take them wherever the bathroom was, and usually it's a mile away from where you were. Or, you know, the other question is, Papa, why? Why? Why this? Because I said so. <laughs> and you know what? In life, you can take your struggles and you can make it personable for you. What's the purpose behind it? Or you can take it personal. You can internalize things that why is everybody picking on me? Why this? Why that? Why is this going on with me? Nobody likes me. Nobody cares about me. You can take it personal. And the more you take it personal, the more you're going to shut down, the more it can throw, it, it controls, the more it kills your sensitivity to the things of God and also to the people around you. Because now you're mad at the world. You hate yourself and you shut down because why you internalize everything but I can learn from this battle and I'm going to make it personal it's going to have a purpose and why I'm going through this battle Noah in my life and that's how you have to look at it get rid of the stinking thinking and stop criticizing yourself and putting yourself down and internalizing all this stuff and taking it in 
Because what you say about yourself is not what God says about you. Man, when I was growing up, man, I, I don't know about you. I, I grew up in a childhood where people would criticize you, put you down. But you know what my thing is? Let me give you a little nursery rhyme. Let me give you something that I always do. I always say, twinkle, twinkle, little star. What you say is what you are. So when they would criticize me, twinkle, twinkle, little star. What you say is what you are. Well, no, man. I ain't accepting that. No, that ain't happening with me. They ain't coming in this place. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. What you say is what you are. Man, they would get so mad at me. But it'd be quiet. What you say is what you are. You want to put me down? All right, I'll put you down. Look at this. Do you want special treatment where God will bail in, bail you out, or do you want special assignment to grow and mature? God, you got me on assignment to become stronger in my life, to mature. Sometimes maturity is not just for you. It's for others who are following you. The space shuttle, maybe you read the story. The astronauts took six bees, true story. Took six bees to heaven, uh, to uh, space, not to heaven. Took six bees, <laughs> took six bees to, the, to the moon. And they took these six bees. They had them in the jar. They broke the sound barrier. And finally, man, there was no gravity. And they let these bees, true story, out of the jar. And what happened was these bees, all they would do was just float. They would just float. They weren't fluttering their wings. They weren't doing. And one by one, all six of those bees died. And when they got back to earth, they went to them and said, why did all these six bees die? And they said, the six bees died because they weren't doing their purpose. They weren't flapping their wings. They weren't having to face opposition, wind, all the different elements that they face. And they died because they had no struggle. And sometimes in your life, struggle is not to get you bitter. It's to get you better and to make you more mature. That's what it's all about. You see, when I was a freshman at North Central, and I know time's gotten away. When I was a freshman at North Central, I was a rookie my freshman year, Brad Trask, myself, Steve Floyd. And we were the rookies. So rookies always had to do the assignments for the veterans. And what happened was is that I was always had to pick up the basketballs after practice, pick up the towels in the, in the, in the locker room, man, make sure we got all the equipment to every game, all this kind of stuff. We had to do the grunt work. And sometimes I get frustrated. i like, man, I'm tired of doing this. I don't want to do this. You know, how many know what I'm talking about? Man, why can't Tim Smith or Todd Conville they were seniors, why can't they do it? And I was, man, I was frustrated. Sometimes it messed me up that I couldn't even play sometimes because my, my mind would be so messed up that I couldn't play the game like I normally could because I let the internal, external things become internal things to me that it messed me up. But I remember, though, after going my sophomore year, my junior year, my eyes opened up. And after my junior year, Michael, you know what happened? It taught me something. It taught me maturity. And that took me my freshman year, my sophomore year, finally in my junior year. Why did I have to be the rookie to pick up all this stuff? Because you know what it taught me? Number one, to serve other people. Number two, it taught me discipline. To stay in there, not quit, pick up the towels even though I didn't want to. It taught me how to be a, a team player. 
And everything that I did, it taught me. Taught me how to serve. It taught me how to help. It taught me how to do these things. It taught me that I wasn't the victim, but I was the victor. You have to understand that. In life, so many times, Tom, we want to take on the victim role instead of the victor role. And you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus, so you need to shake off the victim role and pick up the banner of the victor role because if God is for you, who can be against you? You are more than a conqueror. Shake it off. I got to move on. Maturity comes with pain, bruises, and cuts, but it prepares you for more victories and rewards. Now I'm going to blow through these real quick, I promise you. Maturity brings great rewards. Here's some of the great rewards that maturity does. Number one, knowing his voice. When you're mature, you begin to hear the voice of God. Man, I had six sisters and a brother, but whenever my mom said my name above the crowd, I recognized that voice. I knew that was mama's voice. She'd call me CJ, but if she was mad, she would say Craig. And whenever she said Craig, boy, I knew, run. Mama's mad. Mama going to knock you out, right? Man, that's why I don't like her people calling me Craig. Don't call me Craig now. I'm CJ. Because every time my mom called me Craig, that was meant I was in trouble. So that's why I like CJ. But it helped me understand the voice of God. Number two, this, maturity. Lessons of obedience. Man, how many times that you had to mature to finally listen to God and to be obedient? Deuteronomy 28, to obey is better than the sacrifice. God, I have to be obedient. If I want blessings in my life, maturity teaches you obedience and not doing it your way. Number three, knowing what is right and what is wrong. Maturity teaches you what is right and what is wrong. It shows you the path in which to walk. That God, no, I've been down that road again. I'm not going that way. Man, because of my maturity and going through the school hard knocks, I'm going that way. That's what maturity does. Another one is this, the lessons of each battle. Maturity, man, happens when you go through the battles of life. You learn from the lessons of your battles that equips you and prepares you for the other battles. You know that each battle has a different weapon. And so, man, as you go through these battles, you take in this arsenal of weapons to prepare you for no more battles in your life. Another one is this. Trust when you don't understand. What is faith? Faith is the substance of things unseen. God, I'm going to trust you even when I don't understand. Another one is this. Holding on during your battle. That's maturity. It's not bailing when things get tough. It's not giving up or throwing in the towel when things get tough. It's holding on during your battle. That's maturity. Maturity says, man, I'm not going to run from the battle. I'm going to run to the battle. Another one is this. Waiting on God's timing. That's a big one. Maturity. Man, how many of us get impatient when God doesn't answer our prayers the way we want them answered or our expectations of this or that and the other thing, and we get upset. And God, I want it now, daddy. Willy Wonka, I want it now, daddy. I want a golden goose now. Right? Another one is this. Waiting, what? Don't take things into your own hands. A lot of times we want to give the right hand of fellowship, hospital or sudden death. We want to knock them out. And we want to take the battle into our own hands and take it into a situation, and we want to deal with it our way. But God said, no, wait, let, let, let me take care of this. And then the last one is this. There is light at the end of the tunnel. 
there is light at the end of the tunnel. Maybe you're in the tunnel right now and it's pitch black and you're lost in this tunnel, but there is light at the end of the tunnel. You know what Jesus did? Jesus took the leper outside of the city because he couldn't heal the leper in front of the city. People were criticizing Jesus. They were criticizing the leper. There was all this opposition. So you know what Jesus did? He took the leper outside of the city, and he healed the leper. Then he brought the leper back in. But you know what? That leper was in the middle of the tunnel. There was no light at the end of the tunnel because people would ridicule. Leper, leper, unclean. So that leper was isolated. All off to himself. They would walk across the street from the lepers. But Jesus said, I see the light at the end of the tunnel. And he took that leper by the hand in the midst of that tunnel and brought him to the light. Light brings hope. In John, it says this, that Jesus has you in the palm of his hand. He has you in the palm of his hand. So I want you to envision this right now, that right now you are in the palm of Jesus' hand. We used to sing a song. He's got the whole world in his hand. You know what Jesus does when the sun's out? He opens his hand. When the storms come, Terry, he closes his hand. And he shelters you from the storms. And he says, Terry, I got this. I got this. I got this. When the sun comes back out, he says, see, Terry, everything is okay. I pulled you through the tunnel, Michael, of your life. Maybe right now, he's got his hand shut and it's dark, and you're not understanding. It's because Jesus is protecting you from the elements of life right now. And you may not understand. It's dark. It's dingy. But God said, it's okay. The S-O-N, the sun. Is coming. The sun is coming. The sun is coming. Carol, the sun is coming. You're in that dark phase. He's coming. Maturity has a price, but the payment is worth it. James says, Count it all joy when under fire. Why? Because you're mature enough to handle it. Rhonda, you're mature enough to handle it. You are mature enough to handle it. God won't let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And when you are, the Bible said he'll make a way of escape. In the meantime, he said, you're mature enough to handle it. Maturity means you're a veteran, Michael. I'm not a rookie anymore. I'm a veteran. I'm on God's winning team. I'm Christine, Jane and Jane's sister. My name is Christine, and as we were worshiping today, I just um, felt to share a little bit of my struggle. And then when he started preaching, I thought, oh, yeah, I was supposed to, but just waited. Um, we've just moved here in April, and you know, in transition, how 
you just get lost. I had shoulder surgery. I now have a frozen shoulder. And I continued to get lost as far as um, sometimes pain, whether it's emotional pain or physical pain. Um, we try to toughen it out. We move from that closeness to that separateness. And I just felt like to share with you my story of um, it's been a battle because the pain's been so real that it's like I've done everything I can do to stop the pain, including having five little ulcers in my tummy because of anti-inflammatories. But when I was worshiping today in that song that you said, your anthem song, the Lord said, stop, let me love you. And I just want to remind you of the grace of God because what pastor preached, that's where he wants us. Are we always there? No, we're not. But as I was worshiping and not feeling worthy, and I've known God for 40 years, but we go through those times. And I was like, Lord, I don't feel worthy. And he just said, my grace is sufficient and I love you. And I felt like, you know what, I think there's people here too that... You know, in your struggle, you've pushed God away and you've made distance. And he says, come, come and let my grace mature you. Let my love heal you. I think it's just an opportunity. Everything pastor preached, that's where he wants us to live. Do we always live there? No. But today he says, my grace is sufficient. Come, come let me shorten that let me cuddle up with you again let me embrace you again amen so in saying that today I want our prayer warriors to come altar workers maybe it's time for you to visit God again I want to be connected so my altar workers if you would just make your way out and maybe today you are like that two-headed monster. You allowed many distractions and many things to pull you away from God. But God says, come unto me, all the weary and heavy laden, and he will give you rest. So will you stand with me this morning? Now this afternoon, I should say. Good thing about a preacher, he can always say amen a hundred times and here's the deal. You can leave the same way you came, or you can leave changed. God says that it's up to you. He doesn't ever force you. The Bible says with two or three agree, it shall be done. Maybe you're fighting this battle alone, and you need prayer. So if you need prayer this morning, I'm not going to have a big fanfare or all this stuff, but if you need prayer, we're all family. A family that prays together stays together. And if you need prayer today, I want you just to come. Just come. Just come. Just come. Yes. There's a young man here. I love this. Michael, just pray with him right there, Michael. He's coming down for prayer. Anyone else? Come on. Come on. Just come. Man, I love this girl. Good, good to see you today. Anyone else? Let's say, Pastor, I need prayer. I need prayer. We'll count to three. Don't miss this call. Don't leave the same way you came. Let God touch you. I know things are getting late today. But this is an opportunity for you to have an encounter. One, anyone else? You need prayer this morning. You need prayer. 
Yeah, come on, my brother. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? You say, Pastor, I need prayer. It's not, it's not a sign of weakness when you need prayer. It's not a sign of weakness. In Luke chapter 18, the persistent widow kept coming. She kept coming for her liberty. And finally she came and she got her breakthrough. It's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of saying, God, I need help. I need some people to come down here. Pray with this young lady. Pastor Kevin, come on. Come on. Come on. Gather around this family right here. Amen. Anyone else? Michael, come on over here with Pastor Kevin and pray with him. Anyone else? Two. Amen. Three. You need help? Come on, come on, come on, sweetheart. I need you to separate Robin, and I need you to go pray with his sister right here. Amen. Come on, Rhonda, come on. I need some help prayers. I was here. Come on. Don't wait for me to call you out, you altar workers. Come on. God wants to move at these altars this morning. Anyone else? Anyone else? Let me pray over you this morning. Let me pray over you this morning. Father, I thank you. Thank you for this wonderful, wonderful, wonderful congregation. Cheryl and I love them so dearly. And I pray, God, in Jesus' name, that you will assure them that, God, that you love them and that we love them and that this church loves them, that they are welcomed here in the family of God. And I pray, God, that you will bless them in their going in and their going out, whatever their needs may be, that, God, you know their situation, you know their need, and you respond to the needs or the cries of the righteous. And I pray that, God, you will grant that today. And for those that came to the altar this morning, whatever their need is, God, I pray, God, that you will meet them right where they're at. You are a faithful God, God that hears the cries and the prayers of the righteous. You never leave them, forsake them, nor seed begging for bread. You're always there. Go with us now, I pray, and bless this congregation. May we be lights to our community. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you this morning. Thank you for listening to today's message. If this message has encouraged you in any way, please consider giving to Adventure Church to help continue this ministry. Giving is safe and easy through our website at www.adventurechurchsiren.com. Thank you for your generous support.